this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, including two teaching hospitals and the region's only level two trauma center with more than 5,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and make caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General provides services throughout Acadiana and facilitates telemedicine throughout the state, making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, visit oxnerlg.org. Support for this podcast also comes from HomeBank, providing mobile app and account notification technology to help customers detect fraudulent activity. Because security is knowing. Find more tips to bank securely at home24bank.com. HomeBank, member FDIC. Our guest is Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donnellan. Jim has served as Commissioner of Insurance for more than 15 years. He has served our state in many other ways, being first elected to public office in 1975 as chair of the Jefferson Parish Council and then in the Louisiana House of Representatives from 1981 through 2001. His public service career also includes 33 years in the Louisiana Army National Guard, where he retired with the rank of colonel and received the prestigious Legion of Merit Medal. We're here today to discuss the many ways the Department of Insurance works to protect and inform consumers of insurance products. Commissioner Jim Donnellan, it's an honor to welcome you to Discover Lafayette. Pleased to be with you, Jan. It is indeed my honor as well. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're on a mission to reach out across the state to tell all of us ways that we can protect ourselves. And with the many, seems like back-to-back hurricanes and freezes and you know natural disasters that we've we've all been experiencing, insurance is just one of the most important things we need to take care of. No question about it. Um, it everything depends on it. Our home life, our protection of our family, our businesses, our economy at large is very dependent on, as they task all of us 55 insurance commissioners throughout the 50 states, territories, and district, uh, we are there to make insurance affordable and available. And that requires a balance between protecting consumers, mm-hmm. our first responsibility, and making insurance available at a reasonable price for consumers of that pro- of those products, every form of insurance. And you know, as I was preparing for your interview, I had to really stop and think, we all wanna get paid when we have losses. We also need solvent insurance companies to stay in Louisiana. Yep. And we have really, we have put them to the task uh, just have. because of natural occurrences. No question about it. Uh, the past two hurricane seasons have been the worst in since Katrina and Rita in 2005. So 15 years of relatively quiet hurricane seasons, even though we are the eye, the bullseye on the target. We're in the center of the Gulf. We get hit by hurricane events over the past hurricane of uh, five, 
100 years more often on a per capita basis than any other state, by far, uh, much more frequently than Texas, Florida, or any other state. Um, the, the most recent Ida, when it crossed uh, Cuba and entered the Gulf, the cone of probability for landfall that the Weather Channel uh, put forth stretched from the Sabine River on our western border to the Pearl River on our eastern border. It never left. It was always headed to Louisiana and, of course, made landfall smack dab in the center of our uh, coastal parishes, uh, making landfall at Port Fouchon in Lafouche Parish Mm -hmm. and impacting in a devastating way those folks. And the oil and gas industry. I mean, that's the heart of it. Indeed. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the year before, Laura uh, brought 150 mile per hour winds to downtown Lake Charles. Mm -hmm. And Ida replicated that uh, with 150 mile an hour winds also. And those wind speeds dwarfed even Katrina at 115 miles per hour uh, when, when it made landfall in our state. But at 150, that's the second most powerful hurricane in the history of the state. Going back to, and get this, I don't know who kept track of it, but it's called the Last Island Hurricane in 1856 that Hmm. made landfall with 156 mile per hour uh, winds, a Category 5 hurricane. Uh, Laura and then Ida were at 150 miles per hour, strong Category 4 hurricanes, the second and third most powerful ever uh, to visit our state, resulting in, uh, in the case of Laura, uh, uh, $9.6 billion of of damage. And in the case of Ida, through the first data call um, uh, from landfall through December 31st, um, $10.6 billion of insured pay, uh, uh, losses paid and reserved to pay uh, by the companies doing business in our state. So um, we, we have truly uh, been impacted in a devastating way uh, for over the past two years. Um, and hopefully, as we head into now another hurricane season, uh, we'll return to the relative quiet uh, that we experienced for the 15 years between Katrina and Laura uh, in, in, in coastal exposure. In my family, if I can share a personal anecdote, um, my husband's family is from Lake Charles, and now some of them have moved to Lafayette because we're more sheltered. But one of them in particular, she's a young dentist with a family, and their home was pretty much destroyed. Her dental practice was destroyed. So she was getting back on her feet after Laura, and then there was a, uh, a freeze. Delta. Yeah, yeah, oh, Delta. No, yeah, yeah, Delta. Yeah, Delta. And then there was a freeze, yes. and then there was a flood. So yes. every time she'd get back where she was somewhat operational in, in a rental space, something else would happen. Yeah. And it, it's just amazing to me how we have got to balance these competing needs. No um, question about it. It's and just been a string of claims, as you said, and I know you're here to discuss not only keeping this um, – our state afloat with insurance, but some some things that are being done at the legislature to maybe address 
Mm-hmm. Some Indeed. of the issues where we've had some um, some issues come up with insurance companies. And how they function and how they operate and um, um, the fact that despite the pandemic, which challenged all businesses, uh, they, in some cases, uh, came up short in cons- customer service and certainly in the four cases of the companies that I have had to put into receivership, uh, which is the form of bankruptcy that mm-hmm. is applicable to insurance uh, companies all across America, um, we, we, we see that they uh, were inadequately capitalized to and reinsured uh, to be able to provide the coverage that they collected premium for. Fortuitously, uh, we have a safety net under those uh, uh, policies called the Guarantee Fund System, mm-hmm. present in all 50 states, similar to, I heard you in your introductory ad saying that Home Bank mm-hmm. is an FDIC member. Uh, well, these admitted insurers are Guarantee Fund mm-hmm. protected, up to $500,000 per claim oh for a failed company. One of only nine states that have that high a level of protection for our policyholders. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have done that in two visits to the legislature. Each time the NAIC, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, raised the model law for guarantee funds, uh, we replicated it quickly. And as I said, only nine states have reached to that level of the most current guarantee fund model law uh, that provides $500,000 of coverage. Uh, very important to our policyholders uh, with with uh, coverage by one of those four failed companies. And that was all in the aftermath of Laura, Delta, Zeta, and Ida. Indeed. That's a lot. Indeed. And, yeah. and um, we also were very fortunate in that uh, the first three of those companies, um, when, when they went into receivership, we were able to attract a company out of Florida, out of Miami, to take over all of those policies on a go-forward basis. The Guarantee Fund takes care of the claims that were left behind by the failed company, but those policyholders had to go somewhere. And we do have a state market of last resort. It's called Citizens, Louisiana Citizens Property Insurance Corporation, that by law is charged with providing coverage for anyone who cannot get coverage for their property in the the private sector. And also by law, it's required to be priced above the private sector to keep it from becoming a market of choice, but really just a market of last resort. Mm -hmm. And it's not just coastal exposure. Citizens with its 35, now 45,000 policies uh, in place has a thousand of those policies in the Shreveport area and another thousand in the Monroe area. Folks that live too far from fire protection or have aluminum wiring in their home and can't get a private insurer to insure them, they have the right under Louisiana law to get a policy from uh, citizens as the market of last resort. Okay. I understand that you've got a whole legislative package that you've been working on with the House and the Senate here in Louisiana. If you want to maybe touch on some of those and and give us a background on why this is important. Absolutely. Uh, lessons learned. And we learned lessons after Hurricane Katrina. And I have to um, and never failed to do it, acknowledged the important role that then-Governor Blanco played in our recovery on a private sector 
basis rather than putting the state, the government, in the business of insurance providing uh, coverage for our enormous coastal exposure that, um, as I said, we went 15 years relatively quiet uh, hurricane seasons, but we have been impacted now the last two with historic impacts from from two from four different hurricanes but primarily from Laura uh, with 9.6 billion dollars of insured losses and now um, Ida with with an additional uh, 10 projected to end up to be uh, 12.5 billion uh, in insured losses the state cannot afford to take on that level of risk it's it's beyond even the state's uh, ability to assume in fact uh, Florida, when we, uh, with Governor um, Blanco's leadership, uh, pursued a recovery based on the private sector, Florida went the opposite way and and um, lowered the premium cost for uh, their citizens, mm-hmm. the Florida Citizens Property Insurance Corporation, and also uh, mandated that companies would would utilize the Florida Reinsurance Program, called their CAT Fund, that had been on the books uh, when uh, 2004 saw four hurricanes cross uh, Florida in one hurricane season, just the year before uh, our Katrina Rita experience. That uh, reinsurance program, state reinsurance program, had been put in place after Andrew crushed South Florida and then mm-hmm. made a second landfall in Acadiana. 92 uh, or whenever in 92, that was. indeed. Yeah. My daughter and, was a baby. I remember that so well. And oh. um, it, it was quite, the, it was the record setting event for our state at that time. Mm-hmm. Just over a half billion in paid losses uh, by insurers doing business in our state. But, uh, but that was, that record was beaten 50 times by uh, Katrina in 2005. But that, in the aftermath of Andrew in Florida in 92, they created a state-sponsored reinsurance program to offer cheaper reinsurance to companies that would come to do business in the state of Florida as an inducement. But after 04, their new governor uh, at the time uh, promised to lower premiums, and he, as I mentioned, lowered the cost of citizens' policies by 25%. And at the same time, mandated every company writing business in the state of Florida to utilize the state uh, reinsurance program, quantify actuarially the savings they would receive, Mm -hmm. and pass it on to uh, their citizens, their policyholders. The Wall Street Journal, sometime after that, in an editorial, said that Florida had taken on risk that even Florida, with their booming economy, could not afford if another big one came their way. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, they were pretty lucky. They went from 92 to 04 before they had another four hurricanes uh, um, hit the state and and um, um, have been relatively lucky with the exception of Michael three, four years ago uh, in, in uh, the Mexico beach near Panama uh, City, yeah. uh, impacting them with with a powerful hurricane um, uh, hitting their state. So it's worked. This, this program has worked it, in well, Florida. Well, actually, actually it, it, it got lucky and hasn't bankrupted the state. Yeah. But the Wall Street Journal said it was um, a, a foolish risk that they had taken on because of the amount of risk that they were assuming 
that they couldn't even afford. And they said in that editorial, and if Florida had wanted to see how to do things right, they need just look down the state, uh, down the coast to Louisiana, parentheses, of all places, right. close parentheses, <laughs> which did yada, yada. And what we did responsibly with, with Governor Blanco's uh, support is we passed our first ever statewide building code, which made mm-hmm. our market much more attractive. We created an incentive program to attract um, companies to our market, offering $100 million in incentives, but only having $29 million of it accessed by five companies. But it primed the pump, I say, that led to other companies looking at our market and coming to fill the void being left behind by the major national carriers exiting not just our coastal exposure, but all coastal exposure around the Gulf and up and down the the um, uh, Atlantic coast as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we did some things, learned some lessons, and took some steps that put us in a position to be able to weather the storms of the past two years, even though some of the companies right. were not as as uh, solvent as they needed to be. We have learned from those lessons of the past two years, looked around at other states mm-hmm. and copied from Florida what, uh, what they put in place three, four, five years ago, and that is increasing the capital requirements for a company to do business in the state of Florida from two to three million to 15 million, phasing it in over a a 10-year period of time. We've gone from three million to 10 million, Mm -hmm. phasing it in also over a 10-year period of time, with the goal being to motivate those small regional companies that can take on this coastal exposure huge coastal exposure uh, by accessing the international reinsurance marketplace. It's two-thirds located offshore in places like Bermuda, London, Zurich, Paris, etc., Toronto. And by accessing that, we are able to spread our huge coastal exposure, not just to North Louisiana. There's not enough there to effectively dilute that exposure, but actually around the world through investors who want to invest in reinsurance, not just for coastal exposure in Louisiana, but wildfires in California, uh, floods in in Germany, uh, wildfires in Australia, what's called Derrico in the Midwest, a quote, land hurricane, and investors during the low return that the stock market has offered since the Great Recession of 08 were anxious to invest in reinsurance and have. And and we have benefited greatly from that. But some of these companies, the four that that have failed, didn't adequately reinsure their their book of business. And and as a result, folks were left with uh, claims that that had to be transitioned over to uh, the guarantee fund system, um, but but with ten million dollars instead of three million on the table, I call it they'll have more skin in the game, right. and they will be more cautious and conservative in buying their reinsurance, placing their reinsurance to buy enough more. Uh, so as to not uh, uh, have the failure experience that uh, that um, uh, they've had, that those four companies, out of the 30 
small regional companies that we attracted to our state uh, in the, over the past 15 years after uh, Katrina primarily and then Rita uh, impacted us. Let me, uh, let me go from there to some of the issues that companies have had in doing their claims adjusting. We copied a, a bill from, a, a, actually, uh, we have a bill introduced that copies the uh, model that was put in place in California. Um, and, and what they have done is what I refer to as uh, the three adjuster rule. Um, with their uh, several uh, seasons in a row of, of wildfires spreading far and wide throughout California, uh, they had the same experience before we did with the churning, if you will, of adjusters. They passed a law that says after your third adjuster on your claim, your company has to give you uh, a new adjuster, name, two means of, of contact of that person, the, the, um, uh, a report, a written report or electronic report mm -hmm. on all of the aspects of your claim to date and update that uh, if, if um, you're given yet another adjuster later on while your claim is still pending. I have uh, a question about that. Yeah. Was this an issue before the pandemic? I mean, was this no. something that companies would do to delay claims or was it really just I, a matter of employing people? It was primarily, I do believe, a matter of employ, uh, employing people mm -hmm. with the uh, ability now to see the books of the companies. And I just got through uh, fining for companies uh, uh, for up to $750,000 for failure to communicate, failure to timely pay, and other violations of their claims handling um, during, during the aftermath of Laura, Delta, Zeta, and Ida. Uh, so some of it, uh, in particular with the failed companies, I do believe was uh, designed to slow down payments uh, because they were running out mm -hmm. of money. And, and when we um, found out that they were running out of money, um, we, we put them right. out of business and transitioned those policies over uh, to another company, SafePoint, mm -hmm. uh, with, the con with the continuation of that coverage at the same rates and terms and conditions as they had with their insurer uh, through one renewal um, uh, before they... they uh, right have a right to be non-renewed. A third bill that we um, have copied also from another state is uh, out of, uh, Cal out of uh, Alabama, uh, the Fortify Homes program that has been very successful in the two coastal counties of, of Mobile and uh, Baldwin County, uh, counties in, in Florida, uh, in Alabama, mm -hmm. that uh, re result in grants being made available to policyholders who will agree to upgrade their um, building, their home, uh, and it's for residential property, um, their, their, uh, their structure to a higher standard than the building code requires uh, that will enable those properties uh, to withstand hurricane uh, winds much more effectively uh, than the uh, requirements for, um, for construction under our coastal uh, building code. So it's not just for the roof, it's for other aspects of the Absolutely, structure. Absolutely, including uh -huh. en uh, entrance ways and windows, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. Um, but the primary focus is on the roof. 
with special um, nails and, and, and attachments, also with a second barrier under the shingles, uh, meaning that they think of it as duct tape over the uh, the connect the the um, the con- contact of sh- of um, plywood on decking on the roof, which um, in typical construction doesn't have a covering over the seam between the sheets of plywood. This requires that, and then a stronger uh, attachment or nail um, uh, requirement on the shingles attached to the top of those uh, plywood. Um, um, sheeting uh, sheets that are taped together so as to uh, prevent leaks from uh, happening as readily. And I know another issue that you're looking at addressing in the legislature is the additional living expenses sure. bill. A lot of people evacuated. It was not mandatory, but they would Correct. evacuate, and then they had trouble recouping their living expenses. They did, and and uh, the typical arrangement uh, under your policy is. Uh, you there's two types of additional living expense. I call it short-term additional living expense, which really means additional living expense for a an evacuation. Um, typically, and I think with a, with very little exception, uh, companies offer up to two weeks, 14 days of additional living expense for um, covered evacuation expenses. More what I call long-term additional living expense comes when your property is uninhabitable as a result of uh, the damage that caused by a hurricane. And for up to a year with most policies, State Farm offers two years of such coverage. Um, your additional living expense while your uninhabited, uninhabitable uh, property is being repaired uh, is available. But for the short-term or evacuation uh, coverage. Typically, the policy says there has to be, in State Farm's case, an evacuation order. Um, and during the approach of the horrific Hurricane Ida, with those 150 mile an hour winds I mentioned, uh, some parish presidents and leaders were apprehensive about ordering an evacuation mm-hmm. because of the potential for gridlock on right. the highways and those folks. Uh, being caught in 150-mile-an-hour winds in their vehicle with their children uh, in bumper-to-bumper, not moving, um, uh, 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 powerful hurricanes uh, going overhead. So that uh, what we have uh, found is, in, in, for example, in um, some parishes like uh, Terrebonne, Lafourche, St. Charles, there were mandatory evacuations ordered. Some other parishes like St. Bernard, um, uh, Arlene's, Jefferson, um, St. John, there were not um, uh, orders of evacuation because those parish leaders were apprehensive about putting people out in the exposed, uh, uh, subject to being exposed Mm -hmm. to those powerful winds with tree limbs and frankly, whole trees uh, coming down uh, during their attempt to evacuate. Uh, So what we have uh, done with uh, Representative Schlegel's bill and Senator Talbot's bill is say that um, those uh, criteria of of an evacuation order um, will will be applicable or the public pronouncements uh, done by uh, insurers uh, telling folks to take, take, 
uh, cover or to evacuate, if possible, uh, to a safer place uh, would suffice to trigger uh, that coverage for up to 14 days, as almost every policy uh, limits it to. I saw that in the news that I guess it was all state agreed to pay and then state farm didn't. Yeah, that's correct. So you this know, would give a even playing field it, it for everybody. It will indeed, and uh-huh. and uh, take the burden off of the public official of deciding mm-hmm. between triggering their coverage for their policyholders or keeping yeah. them safety. in a place of of yeah. uh, safety, such as Parish President Chasson in Lafouche told me he was able to do by accessing a. A school facility that could house 300 infirmed or unable to mm-hmm. evacuate residents. And the sheriff went out and picked those 300 p- folks up who couldn't get to that school facility uh, and and provided uh, safety for them uh, during the, the uh, cr- critical time of the hurricane passing over. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how these come out in the legislative session. I met Dave Pierce, your um, legislative Mm -hmm. liaison, and he told me they're still working through the system, but we'll keep our eyes and ears glued on this. There's a lot more I wanted to ask you. Sure. Before we do, though, I'd like to pause and reflect back on an interview we did with Mark Mouton, a local insurance agent in Lafayette, about the ways to save money on health care, insurance, and cost. In this clip, he discusses health care savings accounts. You can find Mark Mouton's interview and many others at discoverlafayette.net. This moment is made possible by FACET, which offers career transition services and executive coaching, and they have done so for 40 years. FACET's career outplacement services employ a personal touch, boost morale, and lower the cost of severance. Visit facetgroup.com for more information. We people, your success. And now the moment. What a lot of business owners are doing now, they're taking advantage of the component within the Affordable Care Act and the tax code called the Health Savings Account, or an HSA. Uh, And by electing this, employers reduce their premium, obviously increase the cost to the employee, uh, but allow for a savings account to be set up uh, for that employee, mm-hmm. for, for uh, uh, him or her to do is whatever they, they please. You can pay for uh, uh, dental visits. You can pay for orthodontic treatment. If you have children and you want to set aside money, you can do it that way. Eyeglasses, eye examinations, anything Art, yeah. for your, uh-huh. your health care. And it's deductible. It's deductible. It's Mm -hmm. not taxable. No. And does that roll over from year to year? It does. It does. And um, um, depending on um, uh, your whether you're a single at around twenty eight hundred, don't hold me to the numbers. They they just changed for two thousand eighteen nineteen, and about sixty three hundred for a family. So that money then goes in off the top. It's a top of the line deduction uh, off of your income. The money goes in, it accumulates on a tax deferred basis and does roll over. So uh, if you have um, young children, it's the greatest uh, and you can afford to do it. Uh, You don't have to put the whole 60 something hundred dollars, but it's the greatest uh, um, component uh, for setting aside money on a tax favorable basis and then giving you the cash to be able to go Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. We're here with Commissioner Jim Donilon uh, talking about insurance issues. And I would like to hear maybe the flip side. We're talking about insurance companies, and I know your department is really focused on protecting 
consumers of insurance products. And you, I've looked on your website, it's well done. You offer a lot of services to help people that have grievances, that are struggling, that don't know what to do, even people trying to choose the right Medicare coverage. You, you really help regular people when they have problems. If you if you can touch on some of that. Absolutely. And I'll start with SHIP, uh, the Senior Health Insurance Program. You mentioned helping folks with Medicare. Such an arcane, complex, mm-hmm. um, aspe- and vital aspect of our elderly population's life, their, their, their medical uh, care and getting access to it and, and it being affordable. Uh, it is so complex that the federal government provides funding for SHIP programs all across America in all 50 states. We have a half dozen counselors paid for, frankly, by the federal government that are expert in Medicare. And uh, we, we encourage, and some public uh, uh, funds are made available for us to advertise the availability of this expertise uh, through our website or through our 800 number, 259-5300, to get that guidance and that input uh, on that very important but also very complicated uh, part of their lives. We also do, uh, through our consumer services uh, division, we do complaint processing. Um, For Laura, Delta, and Zeta, we processed over 2,000 formal complaints against insurance companies, adjusters, agents, whoever we we regulate. We have the ability to investigate complaints against them and take action, as we did uh, just this past week with with the uh, uh, companies that we find for their uh, failure to... uh, uh, to live up to their obligations under their policies. For uh, Ida last year, over 4,000 additional uh, complaints were uh, filed with us and investigated by uh, by uh, our consumer affairs folks um, uh, as a result of those complaints for the handling of Ida claims. Um, and uh, we also have a consumer advocacy um, uh, section that does outreach. Most recently, uh, we we manned a resource center in the aftermath of the tornado event, a powerful Category 3, EF3, I think it's called, uh, with 165-mile-an-hour winds that went through a neighborhood in St. Bernard Parish um, and fortuitously compared to the power of that event, only two people uh, lost their lives, even as it went through totally unanticipated and and only at the last minute um, uh, triggering warnings mm-hmm. to take cover, uh, which we don't have a lot of basements and um, uh, um, right. sirens and, and alarms uh, to help folks prepare for uh, tornado events because we don't get that many in, in Louisiana uh, as compared to other parts of the country. But uh, one did devastate St. Bernard Parish, the Araby community of St. Bernard, and we set up a resource center there to help those folks make their way through the uh, claim process in the aftermath of of that tornado event. We also do outreach to legislative public um, uh, uh, town hall meetings whenever invited uh, to do so, and we did many of those through the uh, in the aftermath of Laura Delta Zeta and Ida, uh, when when given the opportunity in in those impacted areas, um, and and received 
uh, very uh, gracious uh, uh, compliments on many of our, mm -hmm. uh, from many of our constituents that uh, were were very pleased to uh, to get access to expertise that we can provide on on um, meandering the. Um, claims process in dealing with your insurer that owes you 100 cents on the dollar of your expenses for a covered event, subject to your deductible. And some of the companies have uh, up to 5% deductibles that are uh, very um, um, significant in, in um, um, getting your property put back together because it's not 5% of your of your claim, it's five percent of your insured value. So that for a ten a two thousand two hundred thousand uh, dollar property home that's insured with a five percent name storm or hurricane deductible, that's a ten thousand dollar deductible before your coverage kicks in, and a roof can easily be fifteen twenty twenty five thousand dollars. So, uh, but those are the kinds of things that we help folks through. Uh, the process in understanding and in processing and uh, and getting payment made uh, as as is owed by insurance companies. I read you also have set up a mediation program with some professional mediators Indeed. to help people that are dealing. Uh, this was for Hurricane Ida. I don't know if it applies to other disasters, but if you can talk about the Surely. mediation program, uh, no, it it uh, it is uh, limited to uh, Hurricane Ida. Um, and it provides through two mediation firms, uh, one here in Baton Rouge called Perry Damp, a long-established, well-known right. mediation firm, and the other in the Metairie area uh, called MAPS, M-A-P-S, uh, both of whom agreed to provide uh, uh, mediation services for a fixed price of $600, payable, as I urged, by insurance companies, or if they are unwilling to do it, the, and the policyholder wants to utilize it uh, for, for less expense than uh, a lawyer may charge. Uh, they, can, they can do that. Um, and it has been successful uh, and, and I think is very user-friendly. Um, the, the agreement is that they will um, mediate disputes over residential properties, um, uh, claims, residential claims for up to $50,000 in, um, in, in dispute uh, between the insurer and the policyholder. So that's 50,000 still in dispute, even if they have paid 20,000 already or, mm -hmm. or what have you. Uh, um, it, it, um, it does uh, allow for up to 90 minutes of mediation services uh, for residential disputes of up to $50,000. Um, a very user-friendly um, uh, resource that I think uh, is frankly being underutilized uh, by insurers in resolving their claims. Uh, I met with a recent, uh, recently met with a uh, domestic insurer, domiciled here in Louisiana, that said uh, they are very pleased with it and are happy to utilize it with any eligible residential disputes they have still outstanding right. with their policyholders uh, as it, 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 in addition to 
brings expert eyes to the disagreement. It also gives peace of mind to folks not used to Mm -hmm. processing claims for hurricane damage, uh, that someone with expertise and neutral has taken a look at what's being proposed and said it's fair, it's equitable under the uh, coverage available. Those are two reputable mediation firms. I'm familiar with both of them. I'm curious, the $600 who who covers that cost? Well, as at the outset, I urged the companies to uh, to pay that uh, that expense, telling them in effect, if you don't, you're being penny wise and dollar foolish. Mm-hmm. But then I had some consumers, some policyholders, who said, well, if they won't pay for it, maybe they'll do it if I pay for it, and I'm willing because yeah. it's cheaper than than quicker. litigating and mm-hmm. quicker. Um, and I tell the insurers, hey, if you have to send this claim to a lawyer to represent you, it's a minimum of $5,000 that it's going to cost you to hire a lawyer to litigate right. uh, that, that claim, that dispute. Why not pay the $600 and get the opportunity uh, to resolve it uh, in an expedited and less expensive way? Right. You know, we all need your help here. It's um I didn't realize what your department did to help consumers. We also have to help ourselves. And it's just funny. I brought a little blurb from I still get to, you know, paper papers mm-hmm. in the morning. And because uh, I, I just like really I can keep things easier. Yep. But we had an article this morning about how to get help from your insurance company faster by Mary Fox Luquette. She teaches business at uh, UL Lafayette. And it's really basic information and if I can just mention what she said, and you can expound on it, but we have to be prepared to make an effective claim. And she's basically saying, first of all, be safe. Absolutely. You know, don't take any crazy risk. That's correct. But once you're safe and the storm is passed, whatever that storm is, contact your insurance agent or insurer as soon as possible. Absolutely. Collect as much information as you can about the damage, and in particular, don't discard damaged household goods until you check with your insurer because they might want to look at it themselves. If it's safe to do so, take photos of the damage. But these are basic things. But when you've been devastated by a disaster... And you've never had this experience before. You're not thinking straight. Water's coming through the roof. You've got, you know, your albums are ruined. So if you can talk maybe about what you tell people, what you And she left one aspect out that she's not familiar with because it's embedded in your policy. And that is the duty of the policyholder to minimize the loss as a result of the catastrophe, catastrophic mm-hmm. event. That entails typically putting covering a tarp over an open roof uh, to prevent mm-hmm. further rain later on from causing the sheetrock to become damp and wet and mold to spread, et cetera, et cetera. Not, again, as she said, not at your risk to your safety or your health, but whatever expense is needed to, to access help in doing that, that's part of your claim. That's covered by your claim because your policy puts that duty on you to keep the claim from growing into mm-hmm. a bigger expense for both you and your insurer. Uh, so, uh, But those are great tips. That's exactly correct uh, with that additional bit of advice relative to right. the duty to uh, minimize your, your loss. But if you're an 80-year-old widow <laughs> and you are just... No chance. You know, your family doesn't live here and 
You don't know Happens anybody that can get a tarp to put it on your roof. I mean, you know, you just call your insurer first. You call your sure. insurer, get your claim filed. The sooner you get your claim filed, the sooner you'll get an adjuster. The sooner you'll get an adjuster, the sooner you'll get to a contractor. And they were very hard to access uh, at the peak of, of these two hurricane seasons that resulted in 750,000 claims being Gosh. filed, 750,000. And and we ended up with 75,000 uh, complaints as a result. And so, um, yes, there's it, it is a very challenging um, um, experience for, for almost everybody involved. I'm looking for my notes. We've been talking about property damage as far as your, your home. But I was shocked. I knew we had high auto insurance, and this is another whole this could be another whole segment. Absolutely. We are the most expensive in the country. With the second lowest per capita income. Right. But we have such a high number of uninsured people. But when you look at what a typical Louisiana resident pays compared to Maine, it's there's just no comparison. Absolutely. And if you could maybe, you know, Absolutely. as we wind down, maybe touch on that. Surely. Um, the clearly, and it's been this way since I was in the legislature dealing with it, passing a bill called No Pay, No Play right. to address the high uninsured mm-hmm. population, passing an impoundment uh, law that oh. allowed, and then Senator Jay Darden and I mm-hmm. um, had had the impoundment uh, proposal. Um, but actually, the uninsured population is not a significant driver of uh, our cost, our highest in America cost. Our uninsured population uh, is by the Office of Motor Vehicles, who gets real-time data every day on every license plate holder in the state as to whether they have insurance okay. or don't, and get reports on accidents through a state police um, uh, system. Uh, our uninsured population is fairly typical of the other 49 states at about 12 to 14 percent. USA Today did a front page Mm -hmm. article here a couple years back interviewing my neighbor next door in Mississippi, Mike Cheney, the commissioner there, and the then commissioner in Massachusetts, Joe Murphy, and their uninsured population was comparable to ours. But our claims to litigation ratio is off the charts. We are far and away the most litigious uh, state of the 50 states in the number of claims that end up in litigation, um, bar none. And and that litigation cost is the outlier mm-hmm. of, of our system versus the other 49. So we're not worse drivers overall? I can't say that. I really <laughs> don't. And I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I think we are much worse drivers today than we were before the pandemic. I mean, stop stoplights oh. don't even matter anymore. It, it's and and the craziness that I saw on the interstate coming down here this mm-hmm. morning with people. I'm doing 65, 70 miles an hour in, in out of out of Baton Rouge, and and I'm seeing folks obviously doing 80 miles an hour, weaving between the three lanes mm-hmm. headed to downtown Baton Rouge, maybe beyond. I'm not sure, but um, but I attribute that to a shortage of police. I don't see many tickets being written any longer like I used Mm -hmm. to. And with less police, they are focused, I'm sure, on more 
serious problems right. than, than speeders right. on the interstate. But what is also a fact, documented fact, is the fact that deaths on the highways nationally are up significantly since the, uh, the pandemic. And and uh, and actually beyond back further back to the beginning of distracted driving with mm-hmm. cell phone use yeah. probably a decade ago right. to the point where now highway deaths are at an all time record high uh, in the U S as compared going back to the '60s before seat belts and mm-hmm. before stronger vehicles and um, uh, other. Um, uh, safety measures that have been implemented by the auto industry uh, since. But but yes, our auto insurance rates are our biggest challenge, frankly, in the insurance market. Uh, we have all, all but one of the major national carriers writing business in our state, but, um, but um, it's still, and, mm-hmm. and even with that competition, um, the most expensive state in America for auto insurance. Right, right. Are there any issues you wanted to bring up that I didn't ask you about? Yes, and uh, it's probably my greatest challenge in the insurance world, although it's not widely known, and that is the uh, looming disaster that is long-term care insurance in our state. I, I have been leading an um, effort supported by uh, 29 other states in pushing back at a failed long-term care insurance company called SHIP, Senior Health Insurance of Pennsylvania, um, in, in the approach that they are taking to that insolvency uh, that deviates from the guarantee fund system that's been in place for decades in all 50 states. And looming in the background is the biggest long-term care insurer in America, Genworth, that uh, has uh, 30,000, I mean, 10,000 policyholders uh, in Louisiana uh, and and is now uh, a C-rated company uh, writing long-term care insurance oh and monitoring this new approach that Pennsylvania is promoting mm-hmm. that would strip guarantee fund protection from those policyholders in the event of a insolvency in the future. Huge challenge, not on many people's radar. I have reached out to um, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and, and the Washington Post, uh, writing letters to the editor um, outlining this issue and the challenge to policyholders um, that, um, that benefits only uh, the companies, the health insurers that would be assessed in the event of an insolvency to fund, temporarily fund, it's it's paid back to them over a 10-year period of time, uh, but fund that shortfall that the guarantee fund uh, system would would uh, would st- uh, fill fill in. Uh, and it's and it's really a, um, a challenging issue that um, uh, that burdens our most vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, population that uh, the the policyholders for SHIP uh, are nationwide, 30,000-plus, uh, are on average 88 years of age. And they've paid their premiums. Forever. So that they could be taken care With of. With the law providing a safety net under them in the event of an insolvency, which we've had uh, now three long-term care companies fail out of Pennsylvania 
and and up until now they have had guarantee fund protection under those policies but this approach uh, uh, threatens to take that away from them to benefit the health insurers that don't want to be assessed and as i mentioned those assessments are fully repaid to them now they don't get interest on the loan that they're making to the state mm-hmm. for these guarantee funds but over 10 years they get to take one-tenth per year of whatever they advance back in credit against their premium tax obligation to all the states in America. Is this a state-by-state issue, or is it federal legislation that would Great uh, question. fix and it? And up until now, it's it. always been a state-by-state mm-hmm. issue because insurance, all forms, are regulated at the state level. But this approach would, would empower the home state of the failed company to impose premium increases, draconian premium, well, actually my granddaughters would say humongous, humongous yeah. rate increases on these elderly folks and draconian benefit reductions on these folks until they drop out yeah. and, and, and never get the benefit of the safety net mm-hmm. of guarantee fund protection that, that has been in place for uh, for a, forever, and was there when they bought the policy, throughout the time that they paid for the policy, and now when they need mm-hmm. the policy or the guarantee fund protection that comes with it, it's being yeah. threatened by this ap- activity uh, em- uh, originating out of Pennsylvania. It just seems like with this number of states you're talking about, you know, with the interstate commerce that's involved. This is really a national Huge. problem. It truly is. Mm-hmm. It truly is. Mm-hmm. You're so passionate about what you do. I, I just want to, <laughs> if we could just take a, a personal second. I know when you were in the legislature, you chaired the the um, insurance, I, I did. the House Insurance Committee. And I also know, was it yesterday? You became the longest, did you say <laughs> yesterday or this week? The last longest, week. Last, last week, week, the longest serving Louisiana insurance commissioner, we had a string of, um, you know, I don't want to say characters, but people that did not, you know, necessarily toe the line uh, yeah, in their fact. job, but you've just done a great well, job. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we we have a uh, history that's widely known. It's colorful. Uh, around the insurance world, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of the insurance that we consume come from places like London and Zurich and Bermuda, et cetera, primarily in the oil and gas arena, where uh, Lloyd's of London, we're their fifth largest consumer state, behind only the four big ones, New York, California, Texas, and Florida. Um, And surplus lines, which Lloyd's of London is, the same thing. We're the fifth largest surplus lines consumer of of surplus lines insurance uh, because of our chemical plants, our mm-hmm. ports, our oil and gas activity, uh, all of it is high risk and, and therefore um, dependent on um, the, the surplus lines market. Um, and, and yes, I do have a passion for what I do. I know how challenging it is for consumers and I know how important it is to consumers and I know how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. So it's a very volatile mix that uh, challenges me every day, and uh, and I enjoy uh, coming to work uh, to try to do my best uh, to meet that challenge. Well, Commissioner Jim Donnellan, you you are a true public servant. Well, thank thank you. you 
for your service from all of us. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning into this. Please share it with your friends and and family, uh, especially people that might have questions. If they need questions answered about their insurance, the Department of Insurance in Louisiana is the place to go to. They've got a great website, and I think there are different numbers and people you can reach out to depending on what your need is. I'd also like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. Oxner, Lafayette General, Home Bank, Facet Group, and Raider, in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape and makes it sound professional. And thank you again for listening. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Jan Swift.